Welcome to this episode of the Medical Sales Certification Podcast. And if you are somebody that is interested in some online training and you haven't checked out our website, please do so. It's medicalsalescertificationprogram.com. On the website, we have uh, currently three sales, uh, medical sales training programs up there um, with more to come in the future as I get those completed and they are completely free. So if you are somebody that is interested in some specific medical sales training where I can walk you through on video and you can take some quizzes on the material. Uh, we have multiple training programs online at the website, so check that out if you are interested. Also, one of the new things that, uh, that I'm launching for 2020 is individualized coaching plans. So if you're somebody that, uh, first and foremost, uh, I would not recommend doing a paid coaching option um, until you have consumed all of the free content that I have, because uh, I try to give uh, really literally everything that I have, all my best stuff is out there for free. But I do understand that there are some people that are looking for a very specific plan. So there are two uh, paid coaching options on the website that you can find on there. One of them is a ride along where you would actually spend a day with me in the car. That one's a little bit more expensive. Uh, candidly, I don't know that I want people spending an entire day with me, but uh, that could be potentially valuable for you. Uh, or I'm also offering a one-hour coaching session where we, uh, I look through your resume, I look through your background, we look at where you're at in the interview process, or if you're in medical sales, what are the things that you should be doing and thinking about and implementing on a day-to-day -day basis to really get the results you're looking for. So if you want some specific coaching, that is also something that I am just now launching and making available to people uh, as a paid option, but understand my recommendation is consume all of the free content first. And if you, once you've done that, if you feel like you need some specific coaching, if you think that that would benefit you, you can check that out on our website. So um, that is all I got for you. Now to the uh, podcast you've been waiting to listen to. This is Colby. Hey, Colby. Taylor, how you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Great, thanks man. For, uh, thanks for taking my call. You good, you good to talk right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the car right now, so it works well. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah so what's uh, up, man? Uh, give me a little uh, background on you and kind of what your uh, what your story is. Yeah, I'll give you the spiel. Um so I just turned 25. I uh, I've been working for kind of one of the bigger accounts. All, I mean, I guess it's fine. It's, I'm working for Zimmer Biobet okay. on the more not the implant side, more capital disposables. Okay. Um. So I started off two years ago. I started off working internally with them, kind of uh, behind the desk, helping reps in the field, product information, go-to guy on internal systems, and then. Uh, as soon as an ASR spot opened up, I took it, and it was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I nice, moved man. out there. Okay. Been here, yeah, been here for uh, about a year now, um, working in territory as an associate. And, uh, yeah, first B2B awesome. in the med, med device field. Uh, so things are going good. 
Nice, I man. That's great. I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose half the time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it goes. That happens for a while. Um, how long have you been doing it? When uh, when did that happen when you took over the ASR role? I've been doing it for a year now. So last December, I think got here. Okay. Got it. I started that. Nice, man. Kind of, yeah, it's been, it's been going good. Um, really only cool. discovered your podcast and your content probably about three or four months ago. So could have used that <laughs> a lot longer, but uh, I'm glad I found <laughs> it. And it's been super helpful. I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm kind of on an island out here most of the time. Yeah. And just wondering if I'm doing the right thing, what I could be doing more of. So it's really helpful to kind of just be riding shotgun with you. Nice, man. Uh, well, for the most part. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that it's actually helpful. You know, when I started doing it all, I was like, I don't even know if anybody's going to listen to this or, you know, it might just sound like shitty or maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, so I'm glad it's actually, uh, you know, there, you always have self-doubt can creep in pretty quickly. Um, so that's good, man. That's, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I listen to a lot of like B2B sales general podcasts and every once in a while you get somebody who's met device and that was all ears. I'm like, oh man, it's actually uh, useful and actually what I'm doing. But, um, just once I found yours where you're literally doing it every day is yeah. tremendously valuable. Right? Yeah, it's cool. Good, man. Good. Um, what, uh, do you have any questions or what's the, kind of what's, what do you feel like um, we could discuss that would be helpful? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you, you talk a lot about um, just action and doing more to filling that pipeline. Um, and that's what I've been trying to do a lot more of now is just get out, cold call, start to fill that pipeline a little more. But what I noticed when I started doing more with it instead of just getting in the car because I got a big territory, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Okay. So just getting, getting in the car and driving for three, maybe four hours just for that one meeting. I used to go to the one meeting, maybe hit a couple other spots and feel good, turn around and drive back. And it wasn't really the best use of my time. Um, but kind of with adding more action, how do you yeah. how do you really manage that? I felt like when I make more stops, I'm starting to get a list together of who I talked to, who I didn't talk to, who I stopped. But yeah. it's getting hard to track when when did I last talk to this person? Okay, do I need to set a reminder to contact them again and just kind of keep that flow of touch points going? You seem to you seem to know when the last time you talked to somebody was. And, and when you're going to follow up them next pretty easily. Is there, do you use a program to do that? Or are you kind of on your own Excel thing? Are you just really organized? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> uh, I try to be as organized as I can. Sometimes I, I have... I have found that I'm probably more organized than most people, but at the same time, like I feel disorganized sometimes. So I don't know. I'm probably, I probably skew farther to the organized type, but, uh, I don't know if my wife would say that about me. Uh, yeah. Um, the, what I use is an Excel document that I built, uh, that's just a CRM. So it, um, it effectively has five columns. And so like the first column is the cold call. And then the second is a discovery meeting. And then the third is presentation. The fourth is proposal. And then the fifth is uh, evaluation or surgery or close, you know. And so um, it's it's not some complicated thing. But 
essentially under each of those columns, I have it broken down into three categories. It's like, so it's either the name of the surgeon or it's the account, right? And in kind of your row, then it's the, then the kind of that middle cell there of the, of the three, that's where I put in really every single thing that I do. So it becomes, it has become second nature to me now that like, if I stop in, I put this in. If I send an email or I get an email from a customer, uh, I go right to that and I put it in. And I'm not perfect with it. I'm sure there's plenty of things that I've done that I haven't recorded in there, but I get the majority of it in there. And I would say for most reps, it feels annoying and it feels like a waste of time to plug that stuff in. But in my mind, there's no other way to manage it. Like when, like I've got the state of Illinois and you've got like freaking three states or something like that. Like there's no way to manage all the opportunities without literally tracking it somehow, some way, shape or form. Like, what are you doing currently? Yeah. What do you do for that? Well, well, they have Salesforce. That's kind of for uh, internal people to forecast demand. And it's a little bit tedious how you you set it up. I kind of made a template in OneNote. Where yep. I just input 2019 sales, like a little history log section, and then uh, a log for contacts as I get a new contact. Yeah. And that's been kind of going okay, but it was really, it, it can get lost in all the accounts I have. And sometimes, if I'm not going back and, and literally checking on that account every time, I won't, yep. I won't really have anything that brings me back to it unless, unless I get an email coming in or I think of it one day. Like, oh, shoot, I should follow up with that. But yep. um, it's, more of an information storage on everything that I can easily access on the road versus yeah. an actual management uh, of the CRM, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But. So, I mean, I would recommend, you know, I, like take for what it's worth, it, you, you can use whatever format or program or whatnot that you want to use. I've used Salesforce in the past, but I found that it wasn't that help. Like, I need it to be a little bit simpler than what Salesforce has, but like, yeah. You know, like any like one one sheet or one screen where I can see everything that's going on, uh, and so it's worked well for me. Um, so I would I would probably recommend using Excel, and I use uh, like it's actually I think it's actually Google Sheets. It might not be Excel. I don't know. I have to. No, it is Excel. It's not Google Sheets. But I I use it through OneDrive, and so I put it in the OneDrive uh, account. So then. Anytime I make a change on my phone, it'll automatically update when I pull it up on my computer. So that, yeah. you know, if I'm sitting there working on my computer, then I put anything in it, it'll automatically, I jump in the car, then it's going to change and it'll update on my phone. Um, but effectively what I do is in that, in that, essentially I have one cell for each customer that is a short history of everything I've done for them. And what I do is I just, instead of having it in like a running order, uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, every time I log something, I always move it back to the beginning. So it's like a reverse log. So it starts at the, the most recent thing I've done. So I'd put like two, two, six. So I put the date and I said, you know, follow up email sent to Stacy or whatever. And then I just put a comma and then I have everything else behind it that I've done previously. But I do that so that when I'm like without clicking on an actual Excel, like a specific cell, and I just looking at my sheet, 
I can look at every account and then right next to it is the date and it'll tell me what the last thing I did was or when the last activity or, or thing that I did was for that account or that customer. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah. So are you, uh, do you when you've like made a touch point with an account, are you setting a reminder in your phone or something to let you know that maybe a week from now this is something you got to look at again if, if they're supposed to respond to you or you have an action item? Or is it one of those things where maybe Saturday or Sunday you're planning the week ahead and then you go through and you catch it and then Oh yeah, I should probably check them out. Yeah, there it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a combination of the two. I mean, there's there's way too many. Like I mean, in my in like stage one of the if, of my sales process, so like the cold call phase. I mean, I've got probably like 250 line items in there of either doctors or surgery centers or hospitals that I've called on, and that I'm not yet I haven't yet moved them forward to an actual meeting. And um, there's just no way to like put all the reminders in there, it, like in my yeah. phone. So the only the only reminders that I actually set in my phone are ones that are like a hard uh, timeline that I you know if a customer is like so I guess for example there's a surgery center uh, an administrator that I sent a message to uh, on Monday of this week because there's a couple of doctors that are going that go there that. Um, are wanting to use my product, so I'm trying to get it approved in there. And she came back with an email saying they have joint commission in there this week and to follow up with her next week. So, like, that's one where I put a reminder for next week in my phone. But, like, out of, you know, the hundreds of people that are in my cold call phase, I'm more or less just setting it up on a week weekly basis, looking at what I need to, like, the, the customers that I should be following up with. But then I'm also looking at that Excel document really probably five, six, seven, 10, 20 times a day. Um, and so as I, as I kind of comb through that list, there's not a, I don't have like a set every single, you know, every five days, every seven days, every 10 days, I follow up with somebody like, I don't know. I don't, I haven't figured out how, how to be efficient with setting something like that up, you know? So it's more so just. Like just if you're in the area or something like that, you'll, you'll see people touch those them again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or if I'm, you know, in front of my computer looking at the at that list, and there's, you know, a customer that, you know, uh, you know, I haven't done anything with them for two weeks, um, you know, then I'll I'll find I'll have at least in there what the last activity was. So maybe it was, you know, I sent them an email or something. So then I'll at least then I can go pull it up quickly and and figure out what it like where did I leave it with them, and then. You know, figure out what to do moving after that. So, yeah, um, gotcha. Yeah, I I don't think there's awesome. like a. I think it's hard. I can't envision a scenario in which you'd be able to like automate a lot of that or like just you know streamline it that well. Like, yeah, you could do some of it, but at some level, it's just going to come down to working through that document. You know, every day. And definitely every week um, to make sure yeah. that you're on top. I of think it. for me it was like a, it was a big part of it was just logging things that happened, like actually committing to sitting down yeah. in the car and typing yeah. in what the meeting went over instead of just trying to remember it. The next yeah. time I was supposed to talk to them, so that was a that was something that just just happened.
it's honestly become second nature to me now. Like there's a, there's definitely a period of time where you've got to just force yourself to do it. But then like, once you start doing it, you realize like, I, I mean, I can't function without it now because there's way too many things. Like I can't remember all the things that I'm working on. Um, you know, so I've got to have something yeah. like that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess another thing, another topic I want to discuss is just sure. what I'm starting to learn a lot more of now is is that um, I don't know anything about how a hospital or a surgery center runs its business, um, and yeah. I'm learning slowly that each place does it a little bit differently. Yeah. Is there any, like, when do you start really grasping whether it's through the surgery center, it's physician-owned, or it's, uh, like, part of a network, or... I mean, is there is there anything I can do to expedite that learning process, or just kind of getting in the door and, and feeling it out in person every time? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think I do. Um, I don't I don't know of any resources that you would be able to necessarily go to to like learn about those things. I mean, it's it can be somewhat complicated, but. Um, also, part of it is just asking, you know, once you're actually in the meetings with those customers. I think it's probably more so what I would say is making sure you're asking the questions that are going to be relevant to tell you the things you need to know. Like, you know, if you're on the capital side, you're going to need to know what their buying cycle looks like or, you know, the last time that they purchased the competitive product that you're trying to replace. Like, when did they when did they last purchase that? Or, you know, do they have a service contract on that currently? I mean, those... I would imagine, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong and I don't know exactly which products you're selling, but like, are those the things that you're thinking of as far as running those accounts or is it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, what the fiscal year looks like, when, when budget's going to be available. I mean, budget seems to be, budget's always tight apparently, but um, (laughs) there's always at some some point where it maybe comes around whether or not they just had a gala the last month. that's a factor, but I mean, just every place seems to be different, and they're not just what, like you're right, what their process looks like. So a group of people get together, they do their value analysis meeting once a month or something yeah. like that, and, and they bring people from all over. How, about, how, how much do you work in the uh, like the hospital setting? Is that a decent um, amount of the business? I mean, as, as an associate, we focus more on the, the smaller accounts, but um, I do cover a lot of the, the hospital set, setting kind of up in the northern part of the state. Yeah. And those are hard. I mean, it's a lot easier for me to get to the right people in the surgery center because for cold calling, I can just walk in the front desk, find the yeah. OR manager, the director, or whoever's running it. But for the hospital, it's kind of find a needle in a haystack. And, and then once you... I mean, I just, I've done multiple times where I found the right door in the hospital, yeah. and then I kind of get barked at to get out because <laughs> I just had a meeting with somebody else, and then I got to try and find that person. So it's definitely a lot harder to navigate. But I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna succeed in the uh, realm I'm in, definitely need to be able to navigate that better to understand that for sure. Because it's at the end of the day, it almost feels like a very similar time investment, aside from maybe trialing, but very similar time investment on the deal negotiation phase um, for a lot larger value with the, the larger facilities, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I hear uh, you. Um, 
wish I had, like, I guess I, I don't have any advice or thoughts as far as, like, where to go for that other than just, you know, I, I don't know, potentially, you know, sitting down and mapping out, like, who are the people, like, like, do I know off the top of my head all the people and the titles in a hospital that are going to be relevant to me? You know, it's going to be obviously like OR director, perioperative business manager, materials manager. Uh, but then it's going to be supply chain coordinators of some sort, and it's going to be the buyers of some sort, you know, and, uh, you know, how do I, how do I work through that list? And, you know, if, if there's a stronger clinical component, then I need to know, obviously, the doctors who are going to be key in making those decisions. And if they've got a, uh, a nurse that they've, they've picked as the head of, you know, orthopedic nurse or uh, the nurse that manages general surgery or urology or whatever um, you know do I do I know those people do I have those contacts have I met with them uh, there's really I mean it, it's effort you know it's it's yeah I I don't know of any other way of going about it other than just putting in the effort and and the difficult part that you've got is when you've you know when the account is three hours away and you're driving over there and you've got one meeting with one person, but ultimately to get anything moving forward, you need to meet with six people, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you're probably not going to be able to meet with six people in a day, likely. So, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. That's no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really, it's really, um, a barrier for me is, um, some contract positions like with the major, uh, major GPOs. Those are, those are pretty tough, especially in more committed tiers where if you're not on contract for the sole source, you, you can't even touch anybody. And so that's, yeah, that was a, that was a fun lesson to learn in the first, uh, first five or six months out here. Yeah. The G, the GPOs are a pain in the ass because if you're on them, it like, it just allows you to do business, but it doesn't guarantee anything at all. You know, it's like, if you're not on it, mm-hmm. get the hell out. If you're on it, get the hell out. <laughs> you know, like, like just because yeah. you're on it doesn't mean that they're going to use your shit. You're going to be one of, you know, two or four or six vendors who are also on it for that product category. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah, I know they're, they're bringing over the implants, too, a lot. So, all areas of, of my company are experiencing the same thing. It's getting, getting a lot more commoditized than ever before, it feels like. Yeah, but certainly. I haven't uh, been in the game long enough, so I don't, I don't really yeah. know what, what it used to be. All I know is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got to deal with what it is now. Uh, I would I would say if you haven't met your other uh, reps that are in those, like, guaranteed if, if you're at any of any hospitals, like, they're going to be using your knees or your hips for sure. So, um I mean, I'd be surprised if they weren't. So, you know, getting to know your joint reps who are likely going to be in those accounts already. And if there's any way that they can help make a soft or like a warm introduction to those people, like they, chances are, especially at those random accounts that you don't know, like if you can connect with the, uh, with the rep that works those accounts, you know, at a minimum, hopefully they can make an introduction for you so that you're not just coming in completely cold and blind. Um, I don't know how well, yeah. you know, Zimmer does with, uh, working across the different, um, segments of the business. I know that, you know, in my experience, Stryker doesn't really work well 
that way. You know, like the, the reps of different product categories don't usually work that well together. Um, I don't know if Zimmer does it any better, but I would, I would try to figure out, uh, especially if you're going to, if you're going to travel three hours, it's worth, you know, shooting a text or a phone call to the, to figure out who the rep is locally there and see if there's any opportunity to, for like a warm introduction. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely had some good luck with some of those guys too. It's kind of hit or miss, but in my experience, a lot of them have been pretty good about at least letting me sit in on a couple of cases on his first start and then meeting the right people. So yeah, I definitely, that's something I definitely could do a lot more of that I think I'm neglecting a little bit now, but I mean, touching on, like the recon and, and the implant side. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of reps, like one step above me that are getting hired, seem to come from a background of either uh, reconstructive implants or sports medicine or some kind of more technical field. Is that is that something that um, you think is really valuable? Like if, if, I'm, if I'm looking long-term in my career, should I be looking to maybe get involved with that side of the business at least? for a little while just to gain some sort of technical knowledge about the cases and implants on that side. I just feel like that adds a lot of value, but I'm just curious to yeah. see what your thoughts are on that. I think it comes down to what it is you want to do. You know, I've got, uh, I've got some guys that I know that have been, um, that have, you know, worked striker capital equipment for 25 years and like they prefer to just sell capital equipment. They don't want to go stand in the OR all day long chasing implants. Um, so I think it comes down to what you want to do and what you're willing, kind of the work ethic and the, what you want your day-to-day to look like. Because, you know, being a capital rep is definitely going to be a lot different than an implant rep. Now, with that being said, I do think that in, in my experience, people that, reps that have sold implants are generally more valuable, I think, because you've had the experience of selling one-to-one with the end user. So, in, you know correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably not doing a whole lot of selling to doctors, selling capital equipment. You know, it's more to the administrative people in the facilities, et cetera. So it is a unique skill set that I think is, it's definitely highly valued. So if you, I would say if you like doing the capital side of the business and you don't want to stand in the OR for eight hours a day, then I, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I wouldn't think that it would be necessary for you to to do something like that but if you want to or you think you might want to do something like that or at least have options better options down the road then um i would say it would be a it would be a better skill set a more valued skill set and a more valued experience if you were able to do something like that you know if you're selling joints or you're selling sports mat or you're selling you know trauma or you know plating systems or something like that um it's in my subjective experience, it's more valued than capital sales. Yeah. Like for me, it seems a lot more rewarding too on that side of the business. Like when you, when you're there, I mean, from what I've seen, a lot of times the refs out there, the, the, the tech is going to have a really hard time getting through the case just because, I mean, they're, yeah. they're doing so many different procedures that the reliance on the rep there, I mean, is pretty high so when you're having an impact like that i mean they talk i mean medical device companies talk about i mean you're changing the lives of patients every day and and it's a great great model to live by a great company to work for when they're doing that it's just that on the capital sales side if i'm there for a case 
I'm showing the circulator how to start the equipment up the, the game and then turn it off at the end. So yeah, yeah. there's not too much reward in there. But, I mean, I get it. It's just yeah. um, that's what appeals to me on that side is just being a little bit more involved. A little more hands on the case, and well, that yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely true. Uh, but like every, like your observation is accurate. But every, every, the grass is always greener. So you know, at the same time, if I close a power deal or a video deal, or a, you know, if they're using your tourniquets or something like that, like, well. If I just sign a five-year deal with a customer or a two-year deal with a customer, I'm not really concerned about Striker or one of the other companies going to come in there in the next two years and take that business because we just signed it. And, I mean, unless something crazy happens, nobody's going to be able to, you know, turn that around. But if you're selling implants, like, you're battling every day, you know, more or less uh, because, yeah. like, there's no contract. I mean, yeah, facilities try to – put contracts in place, but the doctors are going to use what they want to use whenever possible. And so you might be selling the, you know, the Zimmer knee, but you know, striker comes and knocking on the door and uh, the doc's like, Ooh, they got this new product. I'm going to try it. And now you're, you're hosed. So there's, there's pros and cons to it. Yes. It's probably more rewarding from like a personal standpoint when you know, you hang out in the case and you feel like you're adding something there instead of just, you know, making sure all the equipment's plugging in correctly and, you know, turn it off when you're done. But um, there's and there's a different level of competition you have to be concerned about, you know, kind of at all times. When you get the business doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you keep the business. So, um, yeah. And it's all yeah, about... Yeah, that makes sense. You, like, if you do really well in capital or you do really well in implants, like the money's going to be close enough to where that's not going to be the problem. So I wouldn't, and you didn't say this, but I wouldn't think about it from just a money standpoint. I don't know if you're, you're thinking like that. Like you do, you can make a shit ton of money in capital and you can make a shit ton of money, ton of money in implants. I would focus on, you know, what is it that you want your day to day to look like? Um, you know, like it's, it could be fun at times to stand in the OR for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day doing, doing a bunch of cases. But you know, you do that for six, eight months, like kind of the novelty of it wears off and it becomes like it's part of the job, you know? Um, yeah. So. Well, that's what a lot of people say too, that can that bring that experience They come over. They, they usually do it for the, like the work life balance trade off. They have a lot more, time with their family or a little bit more freedom versus yeah. having to be on call on the trauma side or having to cover cases in the morning you can't really take off and go see your kids dance recital or something like that and I mean I'm not worried about that yet hopefully not for a long time but uh, <laughs> yeah definitely definitely something that picked up from those guys but yeah no doubt it's interesting no doubt. to see the perspective I definitely can see how the grass is always greener it flies for sure yeah but, yeah man um, cool. I don't want to take Anything up too else? much of yeah. time, but I mean, one one thing that I was interested in is, I mean, are you working for a startup right now? Is that is that the transition you made recently? Yeah, yeah, or, about uh, uh, yeah, seven months ago. Yep. What? So what? I mean, was that something you you really always wanted to do? The opportunity just came along. I mean, just because I mean, I feel like working for a startup is would be an interesting experience, or at least. Um, something that gives you a little bit more opportunity 
but you came yeah. with a lot of experience. So I don't know how much went into that. If that's something that you're you're liking now, is that something that's hard to do? Yeah, I would I mean, say. What's your experience been like? Yeah, I would say it's definitely. Um, I would say it's definitely harder and. I've worked for a couple of the companies. It's definitely harder to come in as a startup and be successful. Like it takes a lot more effort. Um, it's, it's a heck of a lot easier if an account knows the brand and they're already buying products from the brand to sell something else. Now, then, then it comes down to, well, it's, you know, the product itself. Uh, we've got a, a unique technology that nobody else has. So it's not a me too product at all. And so that's helpful. Uh, but, you know, it, it's got its own challenges from the perspective that nobody knows who we are and it can be hard to get in the door at facilities and we're not on any GPO contracts right now. So, you know, there's like, there's four hospital systems where I've got, you know, 10 to 15 doctors that are wanting to use it, but they primarily go to the hospital systems and I'm not in yet. Um, so it's a pain in the ass to do that. Um, so it, it has its pros and cons. Um, you know, at this point, nobody's calling me saying, Hey, bring, bring this product in, you know, outside of the customers that yeah. have converted already. But you know, if you're, if you work, it, you know, I worked for Arthrex for a while. Like the customers just call you, Hey, we got a case on this day. Okay. Bring it in. Hey, I saw this new product, you know, bring it in <laughs> like, you know, versus nobody knows who the hell we are. So, um, and, yeah. uh, I've always kind of had somewhat of a, interest in startups so uh but i absolutely wouldn't say it's for everybody uh because it's you know it's also a a battle of finances you know you've got a we've got private investors that you know they're gonna they expect to see results and their money's on the line it's not a you know they're not doing billions of dollars a year you know with a bunch of you know a public company they're saying an order of you know, two thousand dollars at the end of the month is a big, big deal to them. <laughs> Whereas, you know, you were talking about you know closing a hundred thousand dollar deal, you know, with with big hospital systems potentially or more. So, uh, it's different. Yeah. I mean, if you if if you want to do something like that, like it's it's fine. Then you definitely want to pick a product that is has unique technology because you've got to be able to sell it from that perspective. Nobody's like. You can't bring a product that's 5% better than the incumbent. Like, my product's 5% better than Zimmer, who you've used for 40 years. Like, they're going to be like, get the hell out of here. You know, it's got to be a lot better. Yeah. So. Did you uh, did you go looking for the company you're looking for now? Were you looking for something that was as differentiated as what you have now that you want to be a part of something like that? Just I would, yeah, I was looking for opportunities. Uh, I didn't know about this company. They reached out to me. Uh, the guy that hired me had a buddy who he previously worked with that I was good friends with. Um, and so that guy asked like, Hey, do you know anybody in Chicago that might be interested? So then he reached out to me and that was the first time I had heard of this company. Um, and I saw the product. I'm like, yeah, I'm interested. But I was, I was looking for, um, something like this. So, yeah. Like I, I'm, my whole family's in the East Coast, so I'm eventually trying to work my way back that way. Like I really just jumped at the first opportunity I could to get the field experience early and often. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, if you if you took the same job you have now with no spiritual relationships from previous 
uh, sports med roles, with how, how much tougher would it have been? Um, or have you not really relied on those relationships a lot and you've been ground up from the start anyway? You know, it, I thought if you'd asked me before I started, those relationships would have been like the key to being successful. But I got to say, like the biggest users that I have right now are not guys that I would have said like, yeah, I've got a great relationship with that guy. He's going to use my product. Um, you know, so it's, it certainly can help and it'll get you in the door, but nobody has enough of those relationships to where like, that's going to be the business. Like, like you might get a couple of guys to use it. You might get a handful of guys to use it, but you need, you need everybody using it. You know, you need a lot more than, um, you know, your five or 10 really good relationships. Like that'll get you a decent ways, but you know, you're still going to have to go and introduce yourself to, you know, a hundred other docs in the area and try to make shit happen. So, um, it's been helpful, but it's, it's not like, it's not the end all be all for sure. You can't just say, well, I've got relationships with these five docs and they're going to use it. And then therefore you should hire me. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, that's a good way to get it off the ground and that's helpful to create some momentum. But I've definitely found that the biggest users of our device right now for me are not the doctors that I would have said like, yeah, those are my best relationships. So. show them like I'll send my boss somewhat routinely like that Excel document and I'm like hey man just just FYI this is where I'm at this is what I'm doing this is where I'm at in the sales process with these customers so there there's a certain level of confidence he has in me that like okay I don't need to call him every single day because I can see right here like assuming I'm not just filling in bullshit uh, I could see everything that he's doing every day and so um, doing that I think would lend a lot of credibility to you when you're looking to level up to a territory manager role. Cause like, if you want to, if you want to run your own territory, you essentially have to convince whoever it is that's hiring for that position that you're going to be able to run the business and running the business is not just knowing your product. It's managing the opportunities, understanding who the opportunities are, who the key doctors are in each facility, et cetera. So taking a better approach to that early on, I think probably would have helped me. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, otherwise what I feel like I did pretty well is just, I tried to become the expert, like, and I was selling implants. So it, you know, it's a little bit different, but I was just, I tried to become like the expert clinically so that I could add value in the operating room. Um, you know? Yeah. So like your side and competitive stuff too, just across the board. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of times where I was in the operating room and, you know, doctor used a competitor product like a meniscal repair device you know smith and nephew has for the longest time pretty much dominated that part of the market so they'd be using us for an acl reconstruction but he's got a you know meniscal repair and i'm there and i'll pull the you know smith nephew box off the shelf and like tell the doctor how to use it because i knew how to use it you know there's there's a certain level of value and trust and and you know if if you ask you know, the, if you ask a manager at Arthrax or somebody that owns a company, like, why the hell are you doing that? Sell your product. Like, well, you know, you got to be realistic here. I'm trying to build, you know, my reputation. And, you know, after I do that, then I probably have some credibility. Hey, man, you know, I helped you with this. Will you try my product? You know, uh, so. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well. This has been awesome. It's like an interactive podcast. This is great. I really appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, man. Give me the time. Uh, loving what you're putting out, and I'm eager to see what you, you keep throwing at me. And I'll keep learning if you're giving me your wisdom. So keep it coming. Good, man. It. Yeah, stay in touch. Uh, keep me posted how things go for you. Yeah, if I'm in Chicago, I'll buy you a beer. Deal. Deal. Uh, All right, man. Take it easy, Colby. Yeah, you too. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Medical Sales Certification Podcast. If you thought that this podcast was helpful for you, consider subscribing to this channel and leaving us a review. And if you're interested in learning more about the medical sales training programs that we provide, you can check us out online at medicalsalescertificationprogram.com. Thanks again, and we will see you on the next episode.